Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Schulman, founding director of the Product Management Center and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Each week, I'm joined by my co-host, Red, and some of the best product managers in the business. Together, we're having candid conversations that help you understand the challenges that a product manager faces, how they overcome them, and the tools and frameworks that will help you thrive in the role. So let's start the show. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jeff Schulman, and I am the founding director of the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington's Foster School of Business. And we are trying to develop a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community. Part of what we do is bring the very best and brightest in product management and make them available to anyone, anyone who has the ability to download or find the How to Succeed in Product Management podcast on any major podcasting app, and anybody who wants to join us right here in Clubhouse and get your questions answered. And each week we take a different topic, and today's topic is goal setting. And my goals for today are to uh, learn a little bit more from Ben and Shivam, and uh, for Red to make me laugh. That's my goal. And I hope to make Red blush, turn red. Can I, you think I could do that, Red? Is that, is that a fair goal for today? I don't think that's like an emoji within Clubhouse. But if I blush, I will take a selfie and slack it to you, buddy. I got you. You blush, take a <laughs> selfie, update your profile picture. That's what we aim to have happen here today. But we're going to find out from Ben and Siobhan whether those are actually good goals. <laughs> What's wrong with those goals and how you as a product manager can uh, create better goals uh, that will help drive success. So uh, with that in mind, uh, I first want everybody here to know who you're listening to and uh, remind you that each of these guests are speaking only for themselves and from their own personal experience. They are not speaking on behalf of the companies for whom they work and are employed. But Ben, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a, this is a, you're a two-time guest. I think you were one of our very first. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So honored to be back. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Ben Waddle. Uh, I lead product management at Expedia Group for our developer platform and infrastructure team. So you can think of me as the product manager helping to build amazing products for developers uh, as customers, as well as for our employee all base here at Expedia Group. All right. Short, sweet, to the point. Ben, great to have you back. Uh, Shivam, tell us a little bit about your journey in product management. Yeah, sure. So currently, I'm a senior product manager with Telus, which is a high-yield savings neobank. Other than that, a co-founder at Change for Change, a transparent social way to donate. All right. And Red, it's your turn. It's been, I've missed you. I think it's been quite almost a month now since we've reunited and it feels so good. Can you tell people a little bit about yourself, uh, why you're involved in this and how they can get involved in today's conversation? Absolutely. And uh, it's interesting for those who are listening here live to note that this is in fact a podcast in the making. For the most part, it's really about making this an inclusive opportunity for all to listen to these episodes. We choose Clubhouse because it makes it so easy to come together and have a conversation and distribute it. So, hey, there's my shout out for Clubhouse there, Jeff. As far as how to get involved in the community in a number of ways. Obviously, if you're someone who wants to have conversations and meet people, like-minded people, individuals like you who were either hard-pressed to get into product management and found their way, or they're trying to light the way for people like you, Join our Slack group. We have a Slack community of thousands of individual product managers and hopefuls in the community that want to be able to take advantage of the resources. I'm, in fact, I'm about to post a link to today's conversation. So if you're interested in joining and learning more about this group, just go ahead and find me on LinkedIn 
and say, hey, Red, Slack group, please. And uh, emojis appreciated, gifts even more so. In addition to the Slack group, we aren't just here about, literally, Jeff, I think sometimes I even forget myself. This isn't a Slack group. This isn't just a clubhouse. This isn't a podcast. No, this is representing the Product Management Center at University of Washington, which has an array of events, inclusive events that can make it easy for people to learn more about product management. And if you're someone who wants to pick up more details about that, please do not hesitate. Ping myself or Jeff, and we'll throw all the information your way. If you're somebody who wants to be a PM, there should be zero roadblocks for you, my friends. So with that in mind, Jeff, back to you. All right, Red, thanks for the energy. Uh, so Shivam, I'm hoping that you could tell people here, you know, why is goal setting an important topic? So we, our audience uh, is not just the people here on Clubhouse, but thousands of people listening are aspiring product managers or and actually existing product managers. Some of them are even chief product officers. Why is goal setting in product a skill and a debate that, that listening to this debate is important to everybody, whether they're trying to get in or have been in for years. Totally. And I think that's it's a very, very valid question, Jeff, for goal setting, because I think the PM uh, in a company or whatever, whatever lad in the PM uh, run you are, you are the one who's setting goals uh, for the company and you are the ones helping everyone walk towards those goals, realize what those goals are, why those goals are important. And crystallize, get get to those goals from the priorities, the mission, uh, the uh, sort of the vision of what uh, what the founders or the leaders have. So I think it's it's, it's sort of a very crucial part of building through of just uh, going about, and you can do it in multiple ways. But yeah, I think it's, it's very very important, like having effective goal setting, structuring upon that. Ben, anything to add to that? Either what goes wrong if you're not effective at setting goals, or what goes right uh, when when you do it right? I think what goes right when doing right is as a product manager, your goal is, your, your job is to be further and further ahead, right? When you think about setting goals, it helps paint a picture and a vision of where you want your product to be. I think, and conversely, you can also think about your own personal goals and think of yourself as a product, right? So if it depends on if you're talking about setting goals for your product, certainly down one path. If you're thinking about setting goals for yourself, equally as important that you're always trying to better yourself and push yourself to new levels. And yeah, I can't wait to talk more about like what good goals on both those fronts look like and, and mean. All right. If you can't wait, I can't wait. So let's just dive in. We'll just keep kind of alternating. Shivam, wh- what do you think? What uh, makes a, a goal good? What are some advice you have for setting good goals on those dimensions that Ben talked about? I think definitely measure. I think measurable is, is a table stake with with goals because like what you don't what you can't measure it's it that that doesn't doesn't go through. I th- but I think one thing that doesn't people people don't think about goal setting is like why why this goal and why not another goal like why why is this goal important to you like how how does this goal prioritize amongst other goals that you have. I think that that that's I think equally important when you sort of set a goal is why did we choose this goal to be the goal? And not not many people think about that as when when they think about goal setting. Ben, anything to add to that? The big push for us is making sure that all of our goals are outcome oriented. So measurability is absolutely key. But I think a trap a lot of us fall into as product managers is setting goals that are milestone based or delivery based and kind of getting away from the actual outcomes that those deliverables will focus on. So for example, you know, we might have a, a milestone around launching an application that will help developers ship code on their first day at the company. 
But again, the primary goal of there is to improve developer productivity, right? So that they are actively contributing. So thinking about beyond the actual milestone or feature release, but making your goals indicative of the behavior or outcome you're trying to drive. Red, you've set some goals in a different context. Uh, Any general guidance on goals from your experience in in sales and uh, leadership and management? You know, I I find this interesting. Uh, My new job, Jeff, really focuses on on including product managers because I'm in sales enablement. So like we have to do a product release, for example. Ben, Siobhan, have you ever released a product and worked with sales on what their requirements are? I mean, a million percent, right? I think for me in my world today, it's primarily internal focused. So not so much in my current role, but absolutely in the past. Yeah. And, And that goal setting, I think the toughest part is making sure everyone's aligned so, you know, thinking about frameworks like RACI and how we even share the alignment, getting everyone to agree, and then timelines. I mean, there's just so many things going into the the goals itself to make sure they actually happen. So, yeah, Jeff, I think to answer your question, I think with any revenue organization that's dependent on product, there is alignment is the word I just keep coming back to. I just want to add to that. I think that in terms of alignment, I think the biggest challenge that I've found aligning with sales and any sort of that, that side of the org is the, that you have to be, as a PM specifically, you have to be explicitly clear and over-communicate what are you planning to deliver, what the goal is, because there have been a lot of cases where, and, and personally I have felt, where both two parties, both side parties are different, have a different opinion on what the goal is. Specifically, if it's a, if it's a feature or it's, if it's some sort of delivery, I've, I've seen that. Uh, I think it's very, very important to do that. Oh, and I love that you said being specific. My favorite is like product will say, hey, uh, product's going to be live on, let's call it September 1st. But what's the definition of live? Is that live for customers or is that live internally? Like, did it mean they shipped the code? Is it in remit? Like, I just think that there's a whole miscommunication thing that typically happens when you aren't even aligning on definitions in the first place. This isn't a, a jab at product in, a, in the general sense of like owning definitions or timelines, but rather uh, how if you don't align between the organizations that define things differently, you could have a very confusing launch date. I'm right. The goals need to be super clear. It's just about expectation setting and making sure as a sales product engineering team, you're all on the same page because the sales team is often out there making promises to customers and you got to uphold those. It's a, it's not a good look if you don't. Well, I mean, you, you guys gave me a PowerPoint that showed me our roadmap. So I just decided to put that in front of customers with my fingers crossed, you know, (laughs) (laughs) what could go wrong? (laughs) All right. So my, we have a question from somebody who wants to know about, wants to discuss anti-goals or non-goals. Not exactly sure what that means, but I'm hoping that Ben or Shavam Anti-goals or non-goals that triggers something in your mind that uh, is either something to consider or something to avoid? I mean, I'm assuming where that's going is that, I mean, really when it comes down to a strategy in general, right? A strategy is a word that's so overused, it's almost meaningless at this point in the context of most businesses. So you want to be either super clear on what you are going to do and equally as clear on what you are not going to do. And from that standpoint, If you're talking about goals that you absolutely will not deliver, 
I would say they have relevance and context, but not nearly as much as the ones you are committing to deliver in terms of goals, at least from where I sit. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Anti-goals. So saying what you will not do. Shivam, do you ever make those explicit or is it like written down anti-goals and what's not a goal? Or do you usually just verbalize those as people see what you're actually trying to do and what you've written down in the positive? Yeah, it's usually a verbalization that sort of works. But I think it depends on the setting, right? In, in, in a more sort of, when, when I work with teams, which are, which, are, which are definitely smaller, I think a verbal makes sense. But I had one situation that I think through where it was a, it was a company-wide release where I had to be very explicit about this is the delivery and this is not what's what's not available or what's, what's not version one per se. So I think that that's, that's, it just depends on context per se. But I think anti-goals as a topic, or as it's just a theme in general, I think the way I think about anti-goals is more of thinking about feel of what's not committed. And I think being being explicit on what's not committed goes back to a point I just made, I think, a while ago is, I think, what, what prioritization or how you, why, what have you committed is why have you committed to those things? And that's, I think that's how you, you can visualize your goals from anti-goals. It's like the antimatter of goals. I don't even know what that's adding to the conversation. Uh, but that's what I've got. It's been three weeks since we've had this show. Give me some slack. Nothing? Red? Nothing? <laughs> okay. We talked about anti-goals. I want to see if we could stir some controversy because I know everybody's got their own ways of setting goals and communicating goals. I wonder if either of you have what you think might be a controversial opinion that you want to float as it relates to setting the goals and communicating the goals uh, that you think maybe the other one of you agrees with or, or will uh, battle it out. Yeah, I don't know if it's super controversial, but on the topic around goals, what we've come across is how aggressive do you set them, right? And I think OKRs and the, the methodology behind those have been a good catalyst as far as setting super aggressive goals. The problem that we find uh, oftentimes in business is that people latch onto those goals. They then lose the fact that you are setting an ambitious target and that then, you know, any delivery that falls short of what you thought was a super ambitious goal then becomes a bit of a disappointment. And I think finding the right balance in terms of or ranges on your goals is, is a really interesting topic to kick around with your team. Because on one hand, you want to push the team to really push the boundaries of what is possible. On the other hand, you're sending commitments, whether you know it or not, to executives, to your business, to your stakeholders. You don't want to set your team up to feel like they're failing. And I, I think that's a really interesting balancing act that product managers have to deal with. My sort of take on that is, with OKR specifically, especially since the, your set, the intention is to be ambitious, is... At a certain point, I think it's a trade-off between do I, I'm at a 70% of the key result here. Should I take the rest of the quarter to push it to 100% or get something to, so basically should I have, if I have two goals, should I get 100% done and other 50% done? Or should I have two 70% or 75% done? And I think I think that's where I feel like it's, it's my, my, my take of sort of, goal setting has been fewer the better personally whereas what i have seen often is when there are too many goals it gets too confusing which ones are more important the the way i think you can sort of structure you, you can solve for that is you have you have an overarching goal and you can sub 
subcategorize those goals. But I think overall, I think it's very important to have one or two main North Stars that you're trying to move. All right. So I think you we've stepped between the two of you stepped into a dialogue that's that's pretty important. The two questions that are emerging from this are what is the right number of goals and what is the right percentage of goals that you should be hitting uh, and, and actually succeeding in achieving? So I think those two are, are some questions I've seen bouncing around with a lot of people. And I'd love to hear your perspective on both of them. Uh, let's start with the first one of just how do you know if your goals are too easy or too hard? Like what's the percent that you want to hit? Or, or what's another, maybe percent isn't even the right metric. What's the right metric? Jeff, before before you answer that, folks, just want to throw a curveball out here, a little daily double action. If you're going to reference a new concept, like, uh, for example, if you're going to talk about OKRs, objectives and key results, please define what it is you're introducing. Because in that example, goals aren't meant to be met. So just when you're walking through any frameworks or referencing any new acronyms, uh, please define it for the, a lot of the folks out there who might not be as familiar. And, and I wouldn't say they're not meant to be met. Actually, OKRs, my understanding is there's actually a specific percentage that they generally say is what you're aiming for. But I'd love to hear Ben's perspective on that one. Yeah, there is. And I, I would. I think the one word of caution that I would offer everybody is while there are industry standard definitions of things like objectives and key results, there is also the way that every company implements those frameworks and guidelines, and they might be slightly different. So as far as the question that you asked around what is the right percentage to hit, well, the answer to that is really dependent, I found, <laughs> on the culture that your company has and is operating, right? I've been at companies where while the spirit of it is if you get to 70% of your OKR, you are within a green threshold. I've been at other places where they say, no, I understand that that might be what's in the book. But at our company, we expect to hit 100% of what we put in our objectives and key results. So just I, I would offer to be a little bit careful about the way that these frameworks, whether it's OKRs or any other framework, really, from a goal setting perspective are interpreted at your particular company, because it's it's really in the DNA of the company itself. At least that's what I found. As far as the number, I would always say the fewer is better, right? As a product manager, your job is to simplify. If you're measuring everything, you're not really measuring anything. Prior to being a, a product manager, I was a management consultant, and we would go out to companies and help implement metric frameworks. I will tell you the ones that we saw that worked really, really well are the ones that were really to under, easy to understand and help focus behavior. Uh, that you wanted to drive at the highest level. Um, if you have a, a metric structure that you have to click into seven times and you have four things at the top, but it, through seven clicks, now you're down to 120 metrics, I would say you're not really measuring much of anything. All right, Shivam, anything to add on either of those two points of the percent that you should be hitting of the goals and the, the number of goals or what goes wrong when you have too many? Yeah, sure. I think just before that, I think adding on to what Ben mentioned, like it's in the DNA, the company's DNA, right? About hitting 70% or 100%. I think I think there are sort of, that also plays into factor how you're setting goals first day. And uh, just, just think about if you have to set 100% of the goals, you'll be less ambitious. And if you have to set 70%, you'll be a little more ambitious. So I think that, that definitely factors in, unfortunately. Uh, but of how you sort of think about goal setting or how people do goal set. But on the, I think on the percentage, I think it just also depends on how you're defining your goals in the sense that if, or specifically on a, on a quarter basis, right? Uh, 
when you're doing these goals, okay, our base goal settings or objective and key results. There are a lot of initiatives that, depending on what kind of product management you're doing, it's 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 it's, it's a year long initiative, and I've been in one where uh, we we were integrating sort of three 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 company systems. Uh, that took a year, but but you broke broke that end goal into four sort of quarterly systems and try to achieve from there. Uh, so there's uh, just I think in short, uh, Jeff, there's no there's no particular number, but I think my personal preference is the, what the sort of the orthodox method is of seventy percent, seventy five percent. But definitely, if you the better is 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 also is also a good thing to. So let me ask this: when where the rubber meets the road, I mean, it it seems good in theory. Hey, have seventy percent, eighty percent goals. Uh, that way, you have the the stretch goals, and you you push yourself uh, further than otherwise. But when you're in that culture, and you know that you don't have to hit those twenty percent of the goals, does does the intended purpose actually play out in reality? Where it's like, hey, this is a stretch goal, and people know it's a stretch goal. So then they like, do they even care about it? Does it work? To motivate, I think that's the slippery slope, right? And I think that's why you're better served following what culture your company has instilled than sticking with textbook definitions of frameworks. And because you're right, people adjust, right? The reality is, if you think that you're going to set a somewhat achievable target in 70%, you know, a good rule of thumb, actually, as I say this out loud, is if you have a set of goals and you are meeting all of them or exceeding all of them, that's probably when you need to challenge yourself. Am I, am I, am I setting ambitious enough targets? It's not so much the 70% on one. It's the, if you have five and you are green on all of them, are you really setting an ambitious, ambitious enough target? Because I know the conversations that I love are the ones of, we are green on these three. We're trending yellow or red on these two. Would we be better served taking one of the greens capacity off one of those greens and putting them on one of the yellows to bring that up than we would if we just stay the course and make sure that we're three greens and two reds at the end of the end of the quarter or the, the period, right? Those are the really interesting conversations to have as a product team. And that's really where, where your job or the art in our jobs, I think, is, is best put to the test. Does that make sense? Yeah, Shivam, do you have any um, comments on what he said? I think just to add on to that, I think the ideal way to set the result is not from what you can. I mean, what you can achieve is 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 one way, but what is like what does success look like? And I think if you add, if you sort of dig into that, it'll be more of okay, I'm launching this program. I need 500 users because that's a that's a good enough number to get these learnings. So I think that that's another way that you, you can sort of set that key result. But but I think I would sort of say that that's another way you can think through, uh, instead of one way is to think through what you can achieve and other, other ways to think through what the end goal is and sort of take down from there. All right, I want to get into the art of goal setting a little bit. Who do you bring to the table in setting the goals and how much do you put your thumb on the scale of where you're going and how much do you let the masses decide, all the all the stakeholders that you engage with uh, throughout the development process, how much do you involve them in the goal setting? Uh, we'll start with you, Ben. 
When it comes to setting goals, I would say that it is imperative that you at minimum have your product engineering and design teams at the table to set a goal. Once the team is confident, right, you've got your roadmap in place, I'm going to assume behind that roadmap you have problem statements, hypothesis, and success criteria that would lend themselves towards achieving a goal. Those should all be factors that go into your goal setting to make them realistic. At the point that you have a proposal, that is when you start to bring in your leadership and leaders to make sure that your goals on your team add up collectively across that leader's portfolio, right? Um, at least that is the recipe for success. What I have found is if you start top down, it then becomes a lot of explaining why those goals that are set top down maybe aren't as achievable or are problematic to from a customer perspective. So I love the balance. And actually, OKR sets up a, a really nice bi-directional bottoms up and top down approach, which seems to work out really, really well over the long run. But I, I would definitely not just go bottoms up or top down. And your engineering team, the one word of caution I would have from a product side is you have to include your engineering team. They're your partners. They are your, absolutely imperative to your success. If they don't understand what goals you're working towards, then frankly, you're not going to achieve them. Shivam, agree, disagree? I agree with that. I just wanted to add on, actually. I think uh, to ben, Ben's last uh, end, ending, I think you have to, you, I think you should have your engineering team, especially the engineering leader that you're working with or that the, the power engineering partner all throughout that product lifecycle because I think the difference between a good engineer and great engineering team is a good engineer sort of engineering team would sort of build what you're thinking or what you want or like the product feature or delivery and but a great engineering team will sort of question you why and as a as a product manager or product leader sort of you are often you have your point of view uh, of how why you're building this or this is the product feature and might not be the right point of view uh, or might not be the best point of view of the solution having opinions uh, do that i think uh, helps and second thing is is is, is the art of socialization whereas you uh, especially bring you're working with the design especially if, if it's a feature based uh, so they are there in loop they're in, in loop with the business use cases looping and engineering would also enable buy in or at least for the problem you're solving and so the earlier on you loop them in the better it is for that too all right. So we're going to turn to Red and audience questions in a moment. But first, uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the technology. So what what technology do you feel has been appropriately or misappropriately being used uh, for goal setting? In answering this question, I want to make sure that you're just speaking not as a product endorser, uh, not for your company, but just uh, is there anything that you found good for setting the goals, communicating the goals, tracking progress towards the goals, uh, anything that uh, people are, you've heard people using that you don't understand that they should be using something different. Uh, any thoughts on that? Uh, let's start with Shivam. Yeah, I would say, I think what's worked for us uh, has been uh, Jira quite well. I mean, G I mean that's, I mean, it's a standard product backlash and then they were the ones who inculcate the, the spread the scrum and sprint process. So there, there's a lot of, I think what I've been surprised by Bajira, I think there's a lot of powerful plugins and tools that I've been recently sort of acquainted with that enable not just a sprint by sprint planning, but also holistic sort of product roadmap as well as OKR sort of basis. But uh, that's that's been the tool that, that just helps us, especially also in G connecting the previous point, 
having engineering in the loop uh, as well. So that's something that that's been uh, useful to me. Jira, big plus one on Jira. I would say for personal goal setting, Workday has been awesome uh, for me. It lets you know I have a pretty you know, 60 plus person team, it's very helpful to roll that up so that I can go in and see personal level goals. Um, I would say the other tool that has been absolutely transformative. So one, most of the goals that we use and communicate are in Excel and PowerPoint. And while I see a lot, you know, I can literally feel a lot of eye rolling. The reality is they're good enough, right? They're vehicles to communicate what we've committed to, to our organization, to our teams, to build the alignment. And I think that's a really nice layer of, of good enough, at least to get started. But the other tool that we started to use a lot is Miro, which has been absolutely amazing. So for us, we have customer journey maps. On those customer journey maps, they take, you know, in this case, the developer journey from onboard uh, through code commit, through monitoring, observing. And we have hundreds of jobs to be done and metrics underneath each of those jobs to be done. It has been a really nice tool for us to be flexible, to allow a lot of group contribution and editing. So for us, uh, that's another one that we found uh, to, with great success. Last one on Miro as well on my side. Uh, yeah, we ha- I think I and we haven't pers- like used Miro too much, but has been has been more on just on, on the customer journey standpoint. What about things you might have tried? And again, speaking only for yourself and, and not disparaging anything, but just things that you have tried and kind of the, the challenges that you've had trying to use uh, these frameworks or technologies for goal setting, communication and tracking. Yeah, I mean, I will say I've worked at companies in the past that have gone so far as to try to build custom software for goal setting. I would say, again, the point of this is not to over-engineer something. It's not to have perfection in a roll-up. It is to make sure that you are simply communicating your goals, that you are being super transparent in your execution and delivery against those. And to that end, I would just caution, if you are inventing something new in this space, I would re- I would ask to, <laughs> to maybe reconsider that decision. I can. I think I can add a few things to this. I think the, the tool you want to have, build is uh goals are there to manage you you don't need to manage the goals per se like so i think i think just to ben's point like you don't want to manage a tool to manage your goals you want the goals out there so you're not really managing your goals i think the tools should help you track just record probably and as well as reflect right so that's i think the reason i like jira is because you're as a pm everything is being tracked in jira it connects together and because it's being tracked, it's easy to also reflect upon what happened in the last sprint or uh, holistically so forth. The, the tools that haven't worked for me that I tried personally was Monday.com. I was quite excited about it, but I think it's it's good at a non-technical standpoint. I think if I was in marketing or I want to do more project management, I think it I think it can work. But probably because everything is in Jira, I'm sort of biased, probably biased towards Jira as well. All right, we're going to turn to Red, who I believe got some questions via Slack. But And uh, also, if anybody here in the Clubhouse room wants to uh, get their questions answered. But first, I just uh, before I turn it over to Red, I just have to give a shout out to the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington. We just had over 1,300 applications for our Inclusive Product Management Accelerator Program, which aims to broaden access to economic opportunity by empowering professionals from historically marginalized communities to land their first PM role. Uh, we've got our, our last year was our first year with the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator. We have PMs uh, from that group. People got the PM roles at Microsoft, at ADP, I believe actually uh, even Expedia, 
uh, Ben. And uh, so we've got uh, them going to great companies. We're seeing them, our fall cohort, starting to get promoted already. So they're getting promoted at Peloton and Microsoft. And uh, we're excited to welcome that new crop of people. And we are seeking volunteers. So if you get this, if you are listening on the podcast and you uh, hear what I'm saying, uh, head on over to the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator website, which you can Google online. Uh, or use Google or, or Bing. Sorry, don't want to disrespect. You could use Bing to search for the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator. Uh, sign up to be a volunteer. We have lots of engagement opportunities where you could transform a life, uh, inspire the next generation, and really uh, bring in a crop of uh, product managers who are going to uh, develop inclusive innovations that can universally improve lives. So come make a difference with us here at the Product Management Center and the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator. Uh, sorry for that aside, Red. I just had to get that in. We are hungry for volunteers. Now, Red, you're hungry for more knowledge and engagement. So the, uh, are you Red E to manage the stage and the Slack questions? Absolutely. And I love that people are slacking with questions, which is the intended purpose, obviously, for non-anonymity. Uh, I'm not even going to say the word right, Jeff. I give up completely. Want to make sure there's a couple things represented. If you are interested in asking questions, you can also go to the chat right here within uh, Clubhouse and ask away. So I see you down in the crowd over there. I see some familiar faces, hey, Sfat. Um, so if you if you two want to uh, specifically jump in there, some of the folks that we're seeing that are highlighted here, Jeff, I love this. This UI is beautiful today. Uh, but for everybody else, if you had to choose only one method for tracking, uh, creating accountability, defining, and collaborating against goals, what would that be? So I, it might be a technology. Uh, mostly, I think that's what they're asking about, or it could be a mindset. But I'm pretty sure they're looking for ultimately one piece that could solve all goal-related problems rather than disparate systems. I guess my answer to that would be simply where the consumers of that information are comfortable going. Like I genuinely don't think the tool, the technology matter. I think that as product managers, you should adopt or adapt to your customers. In this case, if it's executives, if these are goals that need to know, then you should do it in PowerPoint if that's what they're used to looking at. If it is your engineering teams, I think this is where Shivam and I have said JIRA is probably the best place to go if that's where they're going to understand the work to be done, if that's where your roadmap lives. Just adapt to where the consumers of this information are. You don't need to create a new channel. At least I, I don't see one, a need. Yeah, I think I'll echo that. I think it's it's there's no particular sort of like silver bullet here. I think what as a PM, I think your your it's I think you should sort of think about whoever you're talking or presenting this goal to. What are their preferences? You have to sort of uh, index for that rather than what do you prefer personally, because the end goal here is whatever you're doing. Or whatever you're communicating, they get it. If if I let's say I give a PowerPoint presentation to the engineers about this is the goal, well the idea makes sense, but there's no action, there are no details, there are no acceptance criteria, then or there so it it's not actionable. But if I do if I flip that to the executives, uh, I just taking Ben's example, it's too many details. Uh, what's the what's the key result? What's the key point? And more important, what are the what, what is the next where what does the next quarter look like? Or, how we building on from there? So I think uh, the medium me, medium depends on the audience. I think you have to really index for that. Well, I think that's it's very helpful context to say that it is context. Uh, and by the way, Jeff and I for almost a year have tried to stir controversy with product managers by having them not use context as their way out. 
you know, because there are preferences. There are certain personal ways you'd like to approach things. But uh, again, on this show, we continue to hear that uh, for the most part, it's what customers' needs are that matters most. And uh, it, it, contextualization is key. You, you, if you're not flexible, you're not building for the right reasons or ultimately for the right customer needs. With that in mind, another question here out of left field. Does remote work change how you communicate goals and progress or progress towards them? So think about when you were in the office and how you set goals, how you communicated them and how you progress towards them. And now think about working from home. How has that shifted? What was your experience? I can start off with this. I think you have to... I think it's harder, I think, in the, in the sense that you have to over-communicate and repeatedly communicate those goals. I think when I was in person, I think it was, it was I think the daily stand-ups were, in, like, you had a whiteboard and you sort of, and what we used to do was just on that whiteboard where we used to every week meet physically and move. We had, we had our goals for the, for the sprint written down. Just, these are the two, two objectives. So it was very easy to communicate about that. But that's now hidden in Jira. It's just it's just a line item there, and it's hidden in a Zoom. Like it's so it's you have to really like talk about it. And as in your daily stand-up specifically, you're bringing up every every daily stand up. How are, are we on track to reach our goals? Like that's that's something that I'm explicitly asked every every stand-up as a product manager that I wasn't doing as much in person. I I, I mean uh, Ben, do you have anything you wanted to add onto this? Before COVID, there were these big, great, grand ceremonies that often took place in the form of divisional all-hands, where we would go through our OKRs and objectives and key results, our main goals, our metrics, all of those types of things, people metrics, uh, financial metrics, product metrics. In the remote work environment or hybrid work environment that we're currently in, it's changed. It's dramatically, dramatically changed. And I was just trying to think about kind of the way we do that now. It's a lot more organic, right? It is a lot more embedded in the work that we do with our engineering teams. One example is um, what I require my product team to do is when we get together in our team meetings, I nominate five people to go and and give their elevator pitch on uh, themselves and how their work contributes to a specific goal and what needle they are going to move over the next quarter. And that does a couple things. One, it helps them understand the work that they do matters. Two, it helps them articulate their mission and purpose. And three, it aligns that mission and purpose with measurable outcomes. So I think there's been a lot more creativity, I would say, in driving alignment of goals since COVID, uh, as opposed to just falling back on these grand ceremonies, which I'm not convinced in hindsight were all that effective to begin with. I think that uh, very helpful context. I got another question here. I don't hear any follow-up on that one. So um, when, when do you know to abandon a goal? So like, I, and Jeff, I put a little uh, gambling dice on this one. That's, that's as far as I know. Like if, uh, if product doesn't deliver on something and is this a, you know, a D and D just chuck it out there and they say, all right, if it lands on any of these numbers, we're not doing it. Help me understand the crystal ball choice of dropping a goal in light of another one. Did you just mention Dungeons and Dragons? Is that where you were going with D&D? A thousand percent. Thank you, Jim. <laughs> okay, sorry to interrupt with completely random tangent, but you said always define your acronyms, so. <laughs> Fair, my friend. Uh, and the second part of this is once you abandon a goal, how do you effectively communicate that to the organization and who do you communicate that to? Again, a daily double. Ben, let me take a start on this one. That's an awesome question, and it's really hard to answer that question without a specific example in mind. But what I will say is 
there comes a point at times when you realize that you are not going to achieve one of the goals that you set forth. The answer to that question of when you should stop is probably when the investment required to meet that goal does not, is not in the best interest of the company or division or business unit that you support. And at that point in time, it's oftentimes important to present a trade-off because a lot of times you do such a good job in articulating the goal and why that goal exists and why it's there that your whole team is bought in and that they're, they're their passion and purpose is really identified with achieving that goal. And you really then have to help people understand, look, here's the business decision that we have to make. We could continue to pursue this goal. Here are the pros and cons of doing that. Or we could adjust. And here's the pros and cons of doing that. As a result, here's my recommendation. So I try to present these really tough, pivotal moments with trade-offs and pros and cons as opposed to we were wrong or someone was wrong in setting this in the first place. Because nine times out of 10, what changes is some sort of context around the goal itself. So for example, working in the travel industry, right, our goals very quickly shifted at one point from booking travel to providing impacted travelers with the best possible experience given the unforeseen circumstances that COVID presented, right? It would be silly to continue to push down a path of one particular goal when the reality of our business changed so dramatically overnight. Awesome. Thank you. Shivam, what about you? Yeah, I was saying, I think that's a, it's a very good question. Definitely a difficult one to answer. Uh, my, my, thought, my thought about sort of abandoning goals and sort of replacing them with or thinking about it is, I think, I coin Penn's point, but like in a different way, in, in the sense where if you, if you realize what's not working, I think that's important. But I think, unfortunately, I think what what's expected is having another solution or having a pivot. Uh, I think mm-hmm. as a product manager, I think it's hard, but yeah, I think you have to be sort of comfortable to sort of mention, I think, to talk about well, that this is not working. And we, we are still figuring it out why or what the next part is. And so un- until unless you are ex- there, there, there are clear, there are clear external, how would I put it, changes that you like, okay, I need to pivot. And until that's, there's no external trigger or there's, there's a change that you can recognize and you're still not hitting a goal or you're still realizing, abandoning a goal is, is a difficult one. I think, I think the situation where you are thinking about abandoning a goal is is when is is depends on how you're designing the experiment and i think your key results matter yeah very well if if your key results uh, and the way you're sort of setting up the goal, that goal because i think uh, if you if you set up a goal that allows you to define what a success criteria really look like and what uh, and equally what does the fail criteria look like uh, in 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 even if you're not explicitly defining it in your know, sort of your own mind as a product manager or product leader, you know what does the fail criteria look like, or what is, and in the middle of that is the struggle criteria. Like, okay, I'm gonna keep keep working at this if between if it's between the success and the failure. So I think that at least that will help you when you want to abandon a board. Fantastic. I think that it's interesting, kind of going circling back then to the the previous question as well is I find that it's COVID is consistently being brought up in conversation as a driver for how things are done today and how it's changed. You know, before leading into closing conversations with Jeff, I think the the biggest one and maybe potentially the most simple piece 
of this equation for those who are looking to learn more about goals, especially for our audience, which is people who are trying to get into product management and they're looking to learn more and to understand what gaps they may still have. What would you say was considered a good goal before COVID and now because of it has shifted your mindset around it? I wouldn't know how to define a good goal per se. I think it's to everybody. They might have their like my favorite goal, a good definition of a goal, but it was one way before everything shifted and now it's completely different. And again, we're just looking for one. You think that's too much? Can we tackle that mountain together? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really, I mean, it's an interesting question. Certainly not one that I've asked as far as how has goal setting changed or what is one thing that has really changed from a goal setting standpoint related to COVID. But what I, what I will say I've observed a lot at my, my own company is just an increased goal around mental health and, and taking care of yourself and being more open to your own boundaries and more aware of burnout. And, and I think that's been a really healthy change as far as goals, right? I, I think, whereas before I saw a lot of and there's still, you know, clearly we're all in business, right? So this is not to say that business metrics are any less important than they were before. But one thing I have been really happy about is starting to see a whole bunch more emphasis around employee satisfaction and trying to really understand what fulfills our employees at work and how clearly does the work that an individual is performing, how able are are they to relate that to the overall company's strategy and mission? So I guess from my observation, what I've seen is a, is a lot more goals or observed a lot more goals that are really publicly discussed at all levels of the organization around employee happiness and, and how are we fulfilling ourselves through the work that we do. And maybe because we're in a travel industry and travel is all about fulfillment, we're, we're a little bit more in tune with that than other places. But I'm just really proud of, of I, I, and I know, Jeff, you're absolutely right, right? I'm speaking on behalf of myself, but I'm really proud of what I see in my own company around the goals that we're putting forth around measuring people and making sure that people are bringing them best, their best selves to work every day. Yes, sure. I think, yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely been what Ben mentioned, a big, big trend. And just wanted to add on to, I think that is that there's been more also focus on personal goals. Uh, I think outside, it could be outside of work, but also at work. And how does those, I think that marriage of those personal career goals or uh, personal goals with the, the objective itself. And one, one trend that I saw, which was very positive from my, like my engineering manager was a part of the sprint was one of the OKRs was upscaling my, my team. And as part of upscaling my team is that you one sprint in the quarter, or once I, well, yeah, once one or two sprints in the quarter, or this certain story point, something like that. You work on something that's that's not your expertise. Like someone's, like our QA engineer was working, quality engineer, quality insurance engineer was working on a feature, or our front end engineer was uh, helping the back end at something and so forth. So it's it really, really nice to see that. I think I, I haven't seen that before COVID. All right, Red, thank you for managing audience questions. Thank you, audience there at home on Slack, writing in some questions there. Now it's time for concluding thoughts. And in the concluding thoughts, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I have two goals for the concluding thoughts. One, any bite-sized takeaway that you would like to leave the audience with. And two, 
in re- and do this in reverse order. Sorry. So end with the bite-sized takeaway. But also, if you could, is there any bite-sized takeaway that you want to give to a brand new PM? Something that they should be doing at, relating to goals as they're just figuring out this role, figuring out what the heck is going on as they're now responsible for uh, managing the needs of the business and the customer. One takeaway for just people new to PM, product management, and one takeaway in general that you'd like to give to everybody. I'll go first and I'll combine them into one. So for a new PM and my, my takeaway is make sure you are treating yourselves like a product. You as a product manager always need to be getting better every single day that you go to work. And as such, you should always be setting ambitious goals for yourself. And when you do that, it's very easy to set goals around the what. What are you going to deliver? I would challenge everybody to also make sure you're setting goals around the how. So making sure that you are growing new skills, making sure that you are being a better person, being a better teammate, making sure you understand that as a product manager, you have a bunch of obligations, not the, the perhaps the most important is to be a better partner to your delivery teams and to your business. Profound. Shivam. What's your takeaway for new PMs and uh, takeaway in general? I think for new PMs uh, in general as well, I think uh, what uh, my takeaway would be is to be the face of the product uh, internally. And that is sort of go beyond what your sort of conversations are with who you are supposed to talk for work. And and the the reason I say that is firstly, it just, you, you firstly learn more about the organization and learn about how different parts of the organization work. But more importantly, like as, as you build this product, as you sort of build, you're, you're owning this product and any, any, any problems you might have, uh, you can sort of reach out to these individuals that you've connected with. And likewise, build that, uh, build that capital, network capital within the org. So I, I, would, I would just say, just proactively reach out, proactively sort of be the face of the product. Uh, to to stakeholders because you might not know how how the product you're representing or you're building team be working with them. All right, Ben, Shivam, thank you so much for joining us and talking about goals. My goal is that everybody who listens at home on how to succeed in product management will feel better prepared uh, to succeed and to set goals uh, for themselves and for their product. Uh, my second goal is that I want to empower 100 new product managers from historically marginalized communities. We are hoping with the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator that uh, the fellows that we bring in this fall, uh, for a, they'll each be carefully selected, rigorously trained, and continuously supported once they uh, get their jobs. I'm hoping that we could get uh, see them each uh, get the product management roles that we know they deserve. Uh, so if you're hiring uh, product managers, uh, we've got professionals with, uh, last last year they had about eight years of product experience, uh, sorry, eight years of work experience, uh, That a lot of that work experience uh, developing transferable skills that uh, are really helping them succeed once they've made that transition into product. So if you're looking for some professionals who have diverse perspectives and a hunger uh, to succeed, get in touch with the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator. I hope you'll join us and, and hiring from them, uh, hiring from this talent pool, uh, volunteering with this talent pool. And if you've got sponsorship dollars, if you're one of those companies who are uh, 
making a long-term investment in your, your future and your talent pipeline, I hope you'll consider sponsoring uh, the Inclusive Product Management Accelerator. Uh, we're grateful that Amazon, T-Mobile, Salesforce, and Starbucks uh, have each generously allowed us to make this a free program so that we could uh, open up access to this economic opportunity and bring more diverse uh, voices to product management. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank you, Ben and Shavam, for uh, a great dialogue here. And thank you, Red, founding advisory board member for the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington, coming in week in and week out. Uh, next week, we'll be here talking about death to PRDs. Uh, we touched on a nerve with Sumeya a few weeks ago about uh, product requirement documents, and we're going to debate, should we put an end to them, or can they be uh, made to drive success in product management? So join us next week here on How to Succeed in Product Management.